0: This is what I preach to people these days. I beg, if you want to serve God, serve him more. That's what I mean by ministry is death. It's not an investment. And you know the funny thing? <laughs> it's actually clearly, clearly like that in scriptures. When they say, be a living sacrifice. That is, you have been killed, but you are alive. Are you getting my point? That you have been handed over to God completely. Just that like you are breathing. So you treat yourself as something, like an animal that has been killed for God. That's what I mean. So like I was saying, it's not just preachers, even though that they are the ones that give that counsel. Because when you have that idea in your mind, you will not be discouraged. It will be hard to be discouraged. If you have it in mind that ministry is what? Death. Now whatever I'm doing, it's my life being poured out for Christ. Whatever I'm doing, is just my life, my whole being... Being laid down on his altar, I acknowledge that Jesus indeed is my Lord and is my owner. That's what ministry is about. That is what it's about. All right? The Lord is good. All now, I got into that. Don't know how I got there, but let me just pause there. The point we're going to make is that our faith, though it's in our hearts, it produces a culture for us outside. And when we read Isaiah chapter 2, what I was trying to bring out from it, you will see that the world, the nations will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. Why are they coming to learn how to walk in his paths? It's because they saw his people walking in his paths. Are you getting my point? That is, the people we see the people of God walking in His paths. And for that reason, they will want to learn how to walk in His ways. And they will want to learn concerning His ways. And I'm saying that what that implies for us is that our faith always produces, if the faith is genuine, it will produce something outside. Let's not forget that. If the faith is genuine, it will produce something outside. The only way by which you will know whether your faith is genuine or not is what it is producing. I said earlier that a sign that you are blessed is that God is changing you. A sign that you are blessed, the sign that you are blessed is not that money is coming into your hands. That's why I went to all of that talk I went into. It's not that money is coming to your hands, but that you have learned that whether I have money or I don't have money, I am the same. I am the, same. the sign that you are being blessed is that you are being transformed. The worries of your soul, they are being removed. The anxieties, the things that make you run up and down like the devil, going to and fro, they are being removed from your heart. Suddenly people look at you and they, they don't understand why you are not troubled. Everybody's troubled, you are not troubled. It's a sign that you are blessed. It's a sign that you are blessed. It's a sign you are blessed, alright? It's when the way you look, you know sometimes, you know, we, we, you look at a man, many of us, you know, we grew up in our environment here and all of that, Unconsciously, society has taught us how to value wives. We may not talk about it. It's when we marry and we start behaving that we realize, and we'll talk about that along the line, maybe not now, because one of the things I'm trying to do in this series now is to take all the things that Paul talked about and bring them out and show how he expected that the blessings will flow into our lives if we are working according to those precepts. What I'm going to say is that when Paul wrote First, he said, we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Then he got to the marriage matter. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. To the wives, he said that, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. The way Christ is, and the church is subject to Christ. He was teaching them practical things that were not the way the Gentiles then did it. Not even the Jews. Do you get my point? That is, he was saying, you will not experience this blessing except you walk like this. Even though you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Therefore, if God wants to set a young man, a young woman up for happy marriage, he doesn't just, listen, he doesn't just give you a good wife for a good husband. No, if he gives you a good wife and you're a useless man, what is the use of a good wife in the house of a bad man? He doesn't just give you a good husband. What is the use of a good husband in the life of the woman that does not appreciate what goodness is? So what does he do? He starts changing how you reason about things. The other day one of our sisters shared something. Oh, actually, I'd read it before. About um, is it uh, one night and his wife and his friend that one went to save his friend, he went and made a pledge. And that pledge meant he had to marry a particular old, ugly witch. Have you read it? And then only, well, he had to, he carried out the pledge. And then at night, he found out that the witch was actually a very beautiful woman. That she would show up outside like an old, ugly witch. Then at night, that's in the house, she would be a very nice woman. Beautiful woman. And so, at the end of the story, he said that uh, she now told him to choose. Which one does he prefer? She can be fine outside and ugly inside the house or she'll be ugly outside and fine when they are alone in the evening at home that he should choose one. He has only one choice. And then he thought about it and said well, whatever she decides he will go with it. And she now decided that alright, she'll be beautiful all the time. What's the moral of the story? Allow the woman to make a choice. I immediately answered <laughs> Trust me now, I know they waste time. I immediately answered, I said, any woman that wants to make a choice, please don't marry. Make your choice to be fine or ugly all the time. That's your problem. Don't bring it into my life. They're having two captains in the same boat. They're wondering why we're capsizing every day. me. I replied immediately, I said, any woman... That's waiting to be left to make all her choices before there will be peace, she just forget this marriage thing. No matter how romantic that story looked, it's a useless story. <laughs> I had an underline to it too, you know, because sometimes you have to be diplomatic before they say okay, you know I said? <laughs> like, relax. I said, and any man that does not realize that he has to be accountable to somebody and you know, put the interest of somebody else ahead of his own. She also please not marry. But I won't lie to you. I only added that one to balance the equation. What I wanted to say was that first one. Because that was all the story I addressed. Come on, they're confusing us with romantic stories. Listen, if you want to know how to do it, you read your Bible. <laughs> what am I going to say? When God wants to bless people in that area, young man, young woman, God starts changing you. Starts changing how you reason. A colleague of mine once told me, so what do you say? What do you have to say about divorce? Let's make a long story short. He's a Muslim, so don't be worried about that. You should understand that for him, divorce is very easy. You now you get divorced as a Muslim. Just stand, look at your wife, in the presence of witnesses, maybe, say to her three times. Is it four times? Three, just three times. I divorce you. I divorce you. I divorce you. Legally divorced. Which is easy since you have three other wives anyway, you know. But you know what the Lord told us, we believers. So even if he fires a shot and he man- manages to miss your head like that of Saul and David, so you will go and hide, buy bulletproof vest, but you cannot divorce her. I went to preach the other day one of our neighboring states. And a man asked to see me afterwards. He said, my wife has left me for a certain number of years. We are both, you know, I was in SU, he told me everything. That now, my ministry is hindered, he's a preacher. I don't know what to do. His children are grown. So my children have given her to a certain date. After which, they said I can go ahead divorce her and marry another wife. The church where I minister, they've given her a date one month later than their own. After which I can divorce her and marry another wife. I said, What do you say, Pastor? I confirmed. I said, Both of you were Christians, said yes. You were both Christians when you married, and you have both been Christians, yes. I said, Your children have said yes. Your church has said yes. Jesus has not said yes. I said, Okay, I'm not saying it's easy. I just told you what he said. Your children said, Okay. Your church said okay. I said, but Jesus did not say okay. I said, so we pray. Well, Nobody saying it's easy. I'm not saying So my friend, to that day, he asked me. I said to him, that is not what my own Christianity says. My Christianity does not teach me that a wife is dispensable. When you are tired of her, you let her go. When she annoys you, you let her go. I said, that's not what my Christianity teaches. That is when God wants to bless you, what does it do? It starts changing the way you reason. It's how you think. And how you think now starts showing in how you walk. Open your Bibles quickly, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Did you didn't notice that? Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it beer and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Let me just tell you the main reason why I read this is so, for you to see that how people behave is a product of how they think. When they have thoughts inferior to God's thoughts, their behaviors are far inferior to the standard that God wants them to have. And listen to this. No matter the blessing you are believing God for, except you get the right thoughts and the right behavior, the blessing is not going to come. If it comes, it will come and you lose it rapidly. Let me say that again. God has blessed you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There are things you are asking Him to do in your life, things you are expecting. God c- c- cannot do, you see the way I said the c- c- to emphasize it. He can't do anything in producing that on the earth in reality, physically. I mean, now, except first He changes how you think about certain things. And as a result, how you behave in certain areas. And that's what we call the culture of faith. And then, that change in thought and behavior is what we explained earlier, is the way by which you put things in order so that the, you know, like we're putting the circuits of God in order so that the blessing can flow. When we obey divine precepts in our daily thinking method and the way we behave, and please, that's my emphasis, faith cannot produce anything for you except it has changed the way you think and the way you behave. It's when we have done that that blessing starts flowing. The primary assignment of the word is to come and turn people around. That's why it divides between spirit and soul. It goes inside, checks what is inside, and corrects the way we reason. Please, what's my emphasis in this series? The Christianity that has only known when it says I'm a Christian must come to an end. The way I relate as a husband with my wife, there's a Christianity about it. And you are not really born again in that area until your attitude in that area has changed compared to that of the society around. Listen to me. In life, we have trials. And why does God allow us to have trials? Why does he allow us to have pressure? Because he uses those things to show us, oh boy, oh girl, you are not thinking right. You are not behaving right. And I said at the beginning, it's more important to him that we get those things right than the blessings we are looking for. So, he withholds blessings, as it were, dangling it in front of us like this, but we can't reach it. He just need to point us to the direction of where we need to correct. Thinking and acting. My initial plan today, because last time I went into it, my initial plan was to just sit down and talk about this issue of prosperity as an example. You know, That was because last Saturday, that's what I was talking about. So I'd hope to be able to just go into it, but you know when you get you know <laughs> once you get here, <laughs> this thing seems to have a mind of its own. And that's a matter of fact. You have things planned, but then you have done, you have not really dealt with what you had planned. But we'll keep teaching anyway. Like I say, you can't say everything in one day. That's why we'll keep coming back. But I want to just bear that in mind. Every Christian, bear in mind, there are you know, John said it you bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There are fruits that are in keeping with repentance. In the same manner, there are behaviors that are in keeping with faith. There are behaviors that are in keeping with faith, which, if you are not doing, it's a sign that your faith is not genuine. No matter how much you feel about it, all, even though in your heart you feel very strong that my faith is genuine, God said, "Listen, listen. Let's okay. I think I can get there now. I think I think I've gotten there. I can now pick it up from here. Let's take the prosperity as an example. Now, before I even go into it, let me just say something." Many times in Christianity, you know, people copy things. They don't know where it began from. For example, the people of Egypt, they ran into the Red Sea, that (laughs) parted. Why? The Israelites passed through it. But we all know the story, (laughs) how it ended. They don't know why they passed through. What made them pass through? You didn't check the position of Moses' hands and negotiate with Moses. (laughs) How long will you keep that thing up? Moses tell you, don't worry, as soon as you enter, I'm dropping. <laughs> he said, what do you think? My people have crossed. My hands even tired. Uh, you know Moses kept his hand off for a very long time. Yeah. For hours the hand was up, the hands were up. So they say, Moses, how far are you leaving it said, But they didn't even check. They just saw that said let They said, guys, let's move. They entered, Moses is <laughs> <laughs> Dropped his hands. And the rest is history. <laughs> What am I going to say? That's what People copy things. They copy somebody's actions. They now say, these are the actions of prosperity. Like the young woman I told you. They say, give, 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 give. She gave for 12 months. She became half the size, you know. You leave school and you're still losing weight. You're supposed to lose school, lose weight when you're in school. She left school and she lost weight, lost weight, seriously. Why? People are copying actions. I will not make, now problem. We now make doctrines out of those actions, and we start propagating them. I need to explain this. That's why sometimes you hear people preach a given gospel, which unfortunately you are just saying the Israelites passed the Israelites. They passed through the Red Sea. You didn't see anything about the fact that Moses was commanded by God to divide the Red Sea, and then he lifted up his rod. Over the sea and kept it up like that as the wind of God came and separated the sea. You don't say that. Just start preaching. Anybody that's going to pass through the rest of tonight ha, will find himself in the promised land. Guys, people they drown for them. And many Christians have drowned in, that, in those seas. And they become discouraged. They become very hardened. They say, Give, 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 you will prosper. Not the one you are saying. The guy remembers five years ago. People more anointed than you, they came. They collected all his money. He did not prosper. Why? Because the actions, I just need to emphasize that, they were not products of faith. These were actions that were produced from copycatism. Is that English correct? (laughs) (laughs) Even if it was not correct before, you understand what I mean? They copied somebody. They don't realize that actually, deep inside the person they are copying, deep inside his or her heart, was faith. And the faith now produced actions. They started with actions and there was no faith. What am I going to explain? So as I'm going on, I may say some things along those lines. I'm not trying to be mechanical. I'm trying to emphasize that there are things we do which are signs that faith is in the heart. These are signs that faith is in the heart. It's not like we are doing them to activate faith or activate results. They are the things that show us whether faith is in our heart or faith is not. That is, we start with faith and actions follow. Are you getting what I'm going to explain here? I I want to just get that principle across to us. You understand? So that sometimes you will find, like there's a proverb in Western Nigeria that goes like this. that you may find an adult running in the afternoon. It is either because he's chasing something or because something is pursuing him. But what you just see is what? He's running. You need to scan his front and his back to know what is really going on. In the same manner, many times we copy actions of people that are chasing something or are being chased by something. We think they are the ones chasing something. When faith is really in your heart, it propels you to action. It's not as if you do the actions of faith to download the result that faith has not yet produced for you. I hope you are getting my point here. Yes, yeah, because if not, I understand this. Now, let me just give. I want to just look at a number of examples concerning this issue. Like I said. Faith is in the heart. The blessing, the Bible says, Paul was writing, is in heavenly places. When the blessing will come down to the earth, we draw it by faith. But if the faith, if it is genuine, it produces what? Actions. And those actions become our habits. Let me emphasize it again. And that's why I'm talking about what? The culture of faith. Let's look at a few examples, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. Let's start with First Timothy chapter 6. Now, what I'm beginning to talk about now, which I, I skimmed over last week, and I intended to go into it today, but it didn't just work out so well until now. Just to pick an example in the area of, area of finances concerning the culture of Christianity and how that is produced out of the heart that truly trusts God for abundance to supply all his needs. Let's just start from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, (laughs) this scripture, the first time I understood it, no, I understood it then, but I didn't even know it was talking to me until I shared it with the woman I was about to marry. And as I was sharing with her, I realized I was talking to myself because we all know, of course, that when you are, when you are getting married, you have a lot of expenses. You have things that require you, you know, that is required of you. And when money is running dry, you learn to pray some more. And at that time, I remember very well, every bit of money I had went towards my wedding arrangement. Before I realized what was happening, I had cut off every other expenditure apart from wedding. And the point in time came I needed more money than I knew where to get from. <laughs> Are you getting my point? So everything I was thinking, if I you know, <laughs> I like the story because I'm back to it now. I sleep very well, all right? And generally, I've been good with sleeping. I sleep well. God bless me with sleep. Some people will struggle to sleep. I've, uh, it's only a, a brief period, Some over, I think about two, a year and a half, the year before also, ago, that I went through that and I had it solved. Now, this just, you know, by the way, we know we learn everything that we have. It's good to sleep well. It's not a virtue that I don't sleep. <laughs> I hope you get to my point. Uh, men of God have tried to, to make Israel has a friend. Say preacher. That one says that what are you doing sleeping? For me, I have a good answer. Jesus used to sleep too. And he used to sleep so deeply, sometimes the whole boat is shaking, He's not waking up. <laughs> now some preachers say that what are you doing sleeping? In fact, there are three preachers I have in mind. As they are saying it, if I wonder Israel was listening to his friend, his friend was preaching, and his friend said that listen doesn't need to sleep. His phone number is available. You can call him any time. Israel <laughs> said, Oga, you're on your own. <laughs> you're on your own in that world. That's not what we have learned from scriptures. Yeah, but generally, I, God help me with that. And you know, and it's good to sleep. It's, it's vain to rise up early and go to bed late. You know. And one of the reasons people are sick these days is because light has been invented. Artificial light. So is there any scientific fact about that? They have not studied. That's why they don't know. So what do you mean? It's now routine for children to still be awake at 12 midnight, watching TV and playing games. It's a bad habit. Go to bed. It's because of light. Those days, <laughs> by it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, what else are you going to do? Uh, you understand? <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, so that time, I found out that before, when I would go to bed, so I just want to drop that with us, all right? I just wanted to drop that. So I found out when I, went, I would go, go go to bed normally, the way it used to be. If I'm if I go to lie down, within five minutes, ten minutes max of my lying down, I'll be fast asleep. Now this period, I realized that without realizing it, I'll be on the bed for an hour, and I wouldn't sleep, and I'll be waiting for sleep to come. Let's make a long story short. That was one day. It had happened for some days, going on like that. I so was why am I not sleeping? I forgot what led to it, but something just told me. That's what they call worry. I said, eh? Oh, it's called worry. And what did I used to do? I used to lie down and plan. I just lie down. ha. Ah, 5000 for that. Where is it going to come from? You know, I'll be there calculating. Now, let me give you, based on that, I can give you a new definition for worry. The definition for worry is calculating when you're in bed. What did I say? That's worry. If you want to calculate, get up and sit down. Once you go to lie down, thou shalt not do addition and subtraction. That is how not to worry. I realized I was worried. I didn't know. Because I wasn't used to it. It was after some time when the Lord helped me to understand that I finally rejected worry. Okay? So many people, that's the problem. I'm not sleeping. Why are you not sleeping? It's because you are calculating when you are supposed to be sleeping. That's why you find it hard to sleep. So, that's one thing. So, those days, of course, every little money I had, I wanted, I was arranging it, keeping it towards my ceremony that was coming up. The one that was sharing the scripture. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Paul said, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but to fix that hope on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy He said in verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. He said when they do that, verse 19, they are storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Let me just really say to you, Paul could not have been inferring that by giving money they are buying a good future. No, it's by activating their faith. You see, say instruct those who are rich not to put their hope on the money that they have because riches are uncertain. Instead, hope must be on God. Let them fix their hope, and that's what faith is. Let them derive from their hope. We've talked about it before, all right? By placing their faith on God. How will that manifest? Are you getting my point? That's what he was describing in verse 18. This is the manifestation. He said, they will do good, they will be rich in good works, they will be generous and ready to share. Now listen to that. How do you know somebody whose faith is not in his money, but is on God? Paul said it is simple. You will find somebody who is actively doing good. You will find somebody who is rich in good works. You will find somebody who is generous and always ready to share. That is a sign that his faith is in God. Now, this is different from how do I secure my future? Give to the kingdom. Now, can you see the difference? How do I secure my future? Give. That is an investment. That is not faith. How do I secure my future? Is faith. Are you getting my point? It is what? It is what? Faith. However, is the faith genuine or it is not? That's what we're not talking about. He said, if the faith is genuine, what you will find is that the person will be one who does good. Rich in good works. And the fellow is generous and ready to share. Let me talk about money briefly. You can't pay God off. I need to say that to Christians. I need to say it. The concept that I have settled God does not exist in Christianity. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because what we do sometimes is, that, look, I've calculated my tithe, I've calculated my first fruits, the rest is now mine. It's an unconscious thing in our hearts. So this is how an average Christian, until that the Friars came on board, this is how an average Christian was <laughs> reasoning. If I earn a hundred thousand naira if I give ten thousand naira, anything I give after that, God should be grateful. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Is it new to you? Looking like what I am saying is strange. anything I give after that, you know, it's like it's now counting. And we teach it like that. I also used to teach like that too. Okay, I am not you. So people like you, they will say that. Listen, when you have settled God with this ten percent. Then your offering starts counting. And what we learn unconsciously is this. Anytime I give beyond that 10%, I can raise my shoulders slightly. Like they say, I'll start (laughs) prouding. I'll start feeling very happy. And what does that mean? In my heart, I am expecting a special blessing. Why? All that was required of me was 10,000 naira. I have done beyond. Now, this is news for believers. This is the word of God. By the time you finish giving the 100,000 naira, out of the 100,000 you end, you have not yet given enough to deserve any special blessing. Did you hear what I said? Believe me, you haven't. When will you deserve a special blessing? Me too, I don't know. You are getting my point? When? I don't know. When will I have given enough that I cannot go to God and say, no, listen to me, just forget it. What do you do? Remove your eyes from what you have done. Keep your eyes on what Jesus has done. Activate your faith on what he has done. What you are doing, that's what I'm talking about, is you're just living like somebody who has faith. Always doing good. Never thinking I have done enough. Always generous and ready to share. It's a sign that you really have faith in God concerning your finances, concerning your destiny. It is not, listen to me, it is not as if, I am giving this to secure my children's destiny. I saw a man do it once. Well, he preached that he did it. That he realized that one day, children would need to go to school, or his grandchildren. So he took an offering and went to give to universities to support them because he was sowing his seed for the education of his grandchildren. I said, oh, guy, it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. As a matter of fact, if you were to walk like that, you know, as if like that, you know, something close to it, the one that really mattered, which will affect those children's destiny, you won't even know when you are doing it. You won't even know when you are doing it. It will be the one you did, which you did not have your children or your grandchildren in mind when you were doing it. But a sign of faith that somebody really has. A is hope fixed on the goodness of God for his or her future and not the money or the houses on the investment or the stock he or she has acquired. is just one thing. Generosity and not let me just put, just say one thing is generosity and a constant readiness. Because I noticed something about God when he wants to collect money, he goes to the person that has given before. That's what life be. They say you want to get something done give it to busy people. Have you heard that expression before? So when you want to get something done, give it to busy people. (laughs) When the Lord said, take the talent from the one that didn't do anything with it, and give it to the one that has 10. And they said, Lord, he has 10 already. He said to him that has, more shall be given. The more we think, the, the, the what we used to think, what he was calling more is that to him that has two plates of bar, another extra plate of eba shall be given. No, no, that doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. It's to him that has work, more work shall be given. Because if you go and read it, he it said, your mina, it was his mina, it was not their own. He said, be in charge of ten cities when he was going to reward them. It was not come and eat more food. It is now you are proven to be responsible. I give you more to do. That's Christianity. When God elevated Joseph, it was not in the position of enjoyment. It was in the position of influence. That before now, you bless only Potiphar and his household. Then you bless the prisoners in obscurity. Now, I want you to bless the whole of Egypt and your father's household when they will come. It was made the right hand of Pharaoh, not so that he could enjoy something, but so that the diligence, the effectiveness that is inside his heart could affect many more people. That was the aim. It was not so that he will enjoy something. I'm going to something here. So when God wants to take money from somebody, he goes to the one who has given before. And I have personal experience with the fact that those who don't have anything they are doing are the ones that don't get anything done. If you're somebody who's busy, say, ah no, don't give it, it's already busy, give to the other guy. It won't get done. That guy that has not waking him up in the morning, he will not do anything. Tell him, open this door. He will he will oversleep. And that's how it is spiritually also. That's why I want Christians. Don't don't even think that I have paid God my portion. No, never think I have paid my portion. When he finds you faithful, he demands more. The only good thing about it is this. When he find when he's going to demand more, he supplies what? More. That's why he said, "It amends us, seed to the sower, and bread for food." We let, let's read that. I think it's one of the scripture I wanted to read. Let's really open to it. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now in verse ten. No, I think I should read it for uh, verse um, eight. He said, "And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything." In everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And as said in verse 10. Now He will supply seed to the sower and bread for food. You will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for what? No, verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for what? All liberality. All liberality. That is, we say, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. That is, why is God going to enrich you? It is so that you can give some more. It will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Are you seeing that? So when God finds a Christian that's generous in giving, he demands more generosity of him. That's just it. The only thing is that he will now supply more. And that is what many people misunderstand. And I say, when I gave this amount, I now became rich. No. If it really happened like that in your life, what God is saying is that last time you were able to give 50,000. That's very good. Now I'm going to come demanding 500,000. So what I will do now is that between now and six months, I'm going to multiply it to the level where... You will be able to give 500,000. Now, if I come, ask you for 500,000, you still give me 50,000. You are an unprofitable servant. That's what God is saying. I will have to classify you as an unprofitable servant. That's why, I wanted when I was president of our alumni fellowship, one particular convention, they gave me the breakdown of everything. We didn't do too badly, but I wasn't happy with my brethren. So I wrote a letter. <laughs> In that letter, I told everybody. I called it the 100,000 naira limit. I said to my brethren, I said, you see, for many of us at the time, 100,000 was a lot of money. And in the general population, it's still a lot of money. I said, but you see, without us realizing it, being conscious about it, God has increased us. We are buying cars that are valued in millions, Many of us are building houses, many living in their own private houses. But when it's time to give money, we still bring that same hundred thousand. Why? Because if you mention a hundred thousand in society, it's big money. I said, but we forget that it is, it is to be released according to how God has increased us. Are you getting my point? I said, brethren, next time I hear people we'll giving money, I want to be hearing 500, 1 million, 500. One million. Why? Because I know God has increased you. That is what Christianity is about. Pastors, listen to this. You do a lot of damage when you start making people feel as if they are doing God a favor when they give an offering and God must multiply it. I don't preach like that. You've heard me preach. You do God faithfulness. Not a favor. You do Him faithfulness when you prove to be a constantly generous believer and don't expect thank you. It's not a favor. That you have done for him because he's the one that multiplies was seed for sowing. Next point. If the amount of money you're able to give for different things has not been increasing, you're not believing God for prosperity. He said, What if I don't have I don't have an explanation for it. Just take what I have said. The Lord is good. Yeah, seriously. God has been supplying more. Maybe your phone has been getting too expensive. You have too many clothes. You use your car for too few, short a period. You are changing your car now every three years. You'll have been changing every seven years. You'll have had more money to give. And those days, those days I used to observe, very common, very common, especially women. Men also do it too. But it was commoner with women. Buy everything up on credit. By the time they are collecting money, they are paying debt so that they don't have. And they are right. They don't have. The woman that sold perfume, they are paying. The one that sold shoe, they are paying. The one that sold tickets to go to Dubai, they are paying. They are paying for everything. So that if you say, Oh alright, we have a mission outreach. Give money. They can't. They'll give you two hundred naira. Say why? I don't have. My brother, look, I swear by almighty God that the evidence I shall give in this money, do you <laughs> they don't have they're not lying. Except that they have deceived themselves that they don't have. People say that can you borrow to give? You know the normal answer is what? No, you can't borrow to give. I don't say that anymore. Can you borrow to give? I'll just ask you, what are, what else have you been borrowing to do? No, that's my new answer. Say, can you borrow to give? I don't know. Your car, did you borrow from a bank to buy it? Yes, then you can borrow to give. Your house, did you borrow from Federal Money Bank to build it? Yes, then you can borrow from somebody else to give. The suit you are wearing, how many times did you pay? Five times. You borrowed it, then... Buy a second one. Give to one man of God down the street. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. Don't tell me that you can't borrow to give when you borrow to eat. Borrow to dress. Borrow to drive. Borrow to, to pay rent. Borrow, it is only giving you cannot borrow to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. All I can do is give you small work. I am not serious. Who are you trying to deceive? Who are you trying to deceive? No, I, I met a lot of people like that. They will do a calculation for you. All I have now is this 3,005. So by the time they give you 1,000, they are looking so generous. Meanwhile, they have maxed themselves out on everything. Listen to me. Their hope is not in God. It's in their material possession. I'll stop it here. But I need to continue that for that part to happen next time. But that's not the only thing Paul talked about. Not the only thing Paul talked about. Because when somebody is walking, that you get up in the morning to go and walk. Listen to this. Do is a sign of faith? Do you know it's a sign of faith? If anybody sits at home, crosses his hand like this, I say, I believe God will supply. He's lying. I'm a university graduate. God will supply a good job. Six months, you are sitting at home. You don't believe. And believe me, he's not supplying nothing. I've warned all you big men that are eating your mother's money. Your throat will soon start paining you. She's not been telling you you have muscles, you have a certificate, or maybe you don't even have, but you have muscles, then you will go home. Your mother will buy bread with pension money, you will eat. You are wondering why you have diarrhea alternating with constipation. That is why. It's not bad food that you eat. No which is against you. It is that you are eating pension money. There are monies you are not supposed to eat as a young man. Even a young woman, too. There's a money you are not supposed to eat. You go home and you sit down. And then you need pocket money. You finish NYC two years ago. You notice you've been having Whitlow. <laughs> you know what they call Whitlow? It's the money you are collecting from your father. It's unbelief that is disturbing you. You are not working in faith. If your father is not even bad, all you get is weight loss. If it's your mother that's using pension money to feed you diarrhea, vomiting, constipation, sore throat. <laughs> that's why you've been having it. God is displeased with you. Except so there are no jobs, don't lie to me. Have you watched cars? Enugu is a place where, if you're a good missing, there's work all the time. Bishop, am I lying? You know how to lay block. And you can plaster a house, especially with a graduate mindset. You will have work. Why you still think there's no job is that your mother is using pension money to feed you, and God gives you two bouts of diarrhea, three, three three episodes of severe constipation, and saw so through that almost kills you. And you know that the prophetic word that I gave is being fulfilled. You will know there's work. This is the way the one telling me how is it about a man who he knows how to lay block. He laid block until he bought a taxi from laying block. And sometimes you call him and say, please, I have a customer for you. Maybe you call him, you want to go somewhere. He'll say, sorry, I'm building a house in Newe. We'll reach Linter by next week. I'll be back. <laughs> Anyone he sees, he does. When there's no block to lay, he drives his taxi. He said, he said the guy is very good with doing what? Laying blocks. I, look, I told you about the story that one of our brothers wrote about a taxi man that drove him in Benin. That had 11 cars. Did You hear what I said? How many cars did I say? 11. How many cars did I say? 11. No, they didn't say it well. How many did I say? 11. You know why? He drives his taxi with an enlightened mind. So once you use him once, you are hooked. A taxi man that greets you, you are welcome, sir. You enter into the car, you know, he cleans the car cleanly, perfumes the car. And leaves the day's newspaper on the seat. So once you enter, there's newspaper for you. Little one that he bought 11 cars. Once you stop eating pension money, you know there's work. I want to tell anybody that you are listening to me and you've been eating pension money. You're not eating pension money. You finish NYC. They gave you 12 months to plan what you can do immediately after NYC. You have not planned it. You came back home. Your mother is working. You are eating. From today, you shall not eat again. Amen. Say amen, huh? amen. This night, you say, God, I'm not eating. Tomorrow, you fast and pray the whole day. On Monday, no matter what, you must end at 500 and Come back home with bread. When you're going back every day, your mother will start wondering whether you're a bread merchant. She won't know that you're paying for your sins. Because during the day, you must, listen, you must end 500 naira, And when you're going home, you buy 300 Naira bread, or 350, and you carry home, you drop it there. Do that for one month. Believe me, you will see the kind of breakthrough you have never seen before. I'm telling you the truth. Getting up in the morning to go and labor, you know it's a sign of faith? I'll read next time when we get, when we get back. you see that Paul did that to show people examples, how they ought to labor and give to those who don't have. Anybody confessing, confessing. A man came to me and said, pray. I said, about what? I want to go for international trials. What are you, a footballer? I asked him simply, have you been to Nam-Diazikiwe Stadium? He was looking at me. Have you gone to Abba to go and meet Anyimba?" He was looking at me. And you want me, a jobless man of God, to pray with you to go for international trials? If I pray for you, you won't know the kind of trial you are going for. <laughs> let me not say. Let, let me not say more than that. Let me not say more than that. I won't say more than that. You know I me, mean? I don't pray rubbish prayers. I will pray for you to go for international trial. covetousness only. Oh, <laughs> you, You are looking for who will join in your iniquity. No wonder they say, lay hands suddenly on no man. If I lay hands on you now, I won't know why my hands will start paining me. As if they flogged me for stealing in secondary school. You, know, you remember those days? Teacher, I say, why do you take that pain? They flogged you very well. They won't know you lay hands on a thief. International trials when you have not done local trials. How many Nigerian internationals that left from Nigeria no, was not playing locally? How many? Told the man, wake up next morning, go to the stadium. If Rangers don't think you can play, you can't play. Go and find another job. If you go to Cano, Kano, Kano pillars don't think you can play, you can't play. You've been to but you've been to Cano Pillars, 3SC, all of these guys they don't think you can play. Which international okay, you can go to Rwanda clubs club side, it's okay. Maybe they will take you there. Rwanda is also international, have you? <laughs> Oh, this they go and play in Syria, you play with a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. I mean, let me stop preaching, we have things to do and we have to go home. And lazy people say they are believing God. Nonsense. <laughs> Listen, stop sitting at home doing nothing. They don't employ you, deploy yourself somewhere. Join those who are carrying cement. You ha- look, your neck will become thick like mycotisin. Tell them you will survive it. You carry a few bags a day. Your mother won't know what's happening. You're always bringing food home. That's your certificate. You should tear it for a while. Is a reason- that's why you are confused. The Lord is good. You start having ideas. According to Rocker's boss, Joblessness produces ideas. (laughs) He said, You young men, you have nothing you are doing. Sit at home be drawing drawing projects, (laughs) drawing ideas. I've told all of you idea people, get up and go and look for work to do. Don't write any idea for one year. Who will give you money? You've not been faithful in that we belong to another person. You want to be faithful in your own, you are not serious. Who will give you your own? Apostle, let's leave this one, let's continue. Next time. But being in being diligent is a sign of faith. It's a sign of faith. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's just bow down our heads to pray. The word that has entered your heart today will never stand against you in the day of judgment, but that will produce fruit in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Your hands, whatever you put these hands to, will prosper in Jesus' name. God, will cause favor to flow towards you. We make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things, and you are bound to every good work. In the name of Jesus Christ. This coming week, doors will open for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. As you set your hearts to be productive, doors will open for you. The culture of faith will manifest around you. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you are sick, healing has come to you. Because Jesus paid for it, healing has come to you. I want you to expect to be totally well. When you get home, check your body. You are well now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication and dominion and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.